Welcome to the Concordia Publishing House podcast, where we consider everything in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. On today's episode, we're joined by the Reverend Dr. Stephen Shave. Steve is the Executive Director of LAMP Ministries. LAMP has been working to share the love of Jesus with God's people in remote regions throughout Northern Canada for many, many years. I think you'll enjoy hearing Steve talk about the mission of LAMP and the the challenges and opportunities that they're facing. Steve, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's, It's fun to be able to see you. Now, tell our listeners where you're based. Sure. We are all the way up in Edmonton, Alberta. So we're way up far north. We're kind of the claim to fame is we're the farthest northern city of our size. So I think like Moscow and Russia is the closest thing you get. But here in North America, we're we're the farthest northern city of our size. Wow. So I have to ask, we're sitting, we're recording this in January. I was on a conversation earlier today with one of our authors who's based in Florida. And he was lamenting the fact of how cold it was and that it was 37 when he woke up in mid 40s when we were talking. How's the weather where you are? Oh, wow. You have to go negative. So whatever is positive, <laughs> let's make it our negative because it is very typical for us to be in the minus 40s. Uh, they try to they try to ease you into it and say it's not that bad because it's a dry cold. You know, like they talk about the dry heat, but uh, anything under zero, I'm here to tell you, it's it's, it's just cold. cold, cold. It's cold. Well, it's warm <laughs> inside, and so I'm I'm glad that you're able to join us today for us to chat a little bit about the work that you're doing with Lamp uh, Ministries. Can you tell us tell us about Lamp? Give us a bit of the background and how long has Lamp been around? I know many of our listeners are probably familiar with it, but for those that aren't. Sure. Yeah. Um, We just had our 50th anniversary in 2020. So the beginning was 1970. And it's kind of nostalgic for me because when they first approached me about the position with LAMP, uh, I immediately went back to my childhood because I remember my vacation Bible schools and my Sunday school class. And we heard these tales of this pastor, Les Stalky, who was going to the ends of the earth and he was out there as a bush pilot and he's flying these trappers and miners to their locations and he sees these villages below him and he realizes that there are these people in these isolated areas and he can see the smokestacks where they're living and he kind of realized God was uh, calling him to go back and to preach the gospel to these folks. So, I mean, our, our overall mission, we describe it as a cross-cultural ministry, and it's sharing Christ with God's people in these remote areas in Canada. But I still remember my VBS and my Sunday school program and our little boxes uh, that we put our coins in uh, to support LAMP ministry. So I remember those two. They had the plane on them, and it's yeah. a very distinctive logo. That's the one. So that's exciting. So tell me, how long have you been with LAMP now? I just started in September, so okay. I'm definitely the new guy. Okay. What are your, what do you see on the horizon? Or what, what's, what are you most excited about with what LAMP is doing right now? Yeah. I mean, the more I heard about the reserves here and the population of people here and already kind of being the mission guy in the LCMS, 
um, seeing all those things come together where we can really look at God's mission in the future for these communities. We have new technology, we have new opportunities. So how can we expand upon our existing work and truly have a foothold with the gospel in these communities, no matter how remote they might be? So that's what I really look forward to seeing how God, you know, lays all that out for us. So you're serving communities that are difficult to reach in the upper regions of Canada. Tell us a little bit about the people there. And have you had a chance to get out on one of the planes yet? I have. We have not been able to like go into a community just yet. Um, j- just kind of everything we've done, even when we bring supplies, it's typically we get to the airport, we drop the supplies off, and then they go into the communities. But we really haven't been able to enter beyond that. But to talk about the demographic, um, these are the indigenous communities here in northern Canada. And as you said, a lot of the reserves that we do ministry to, uh, and this is why Pastor Stalky needed a plane, was because you can only get there uh, by plane, or you have to wait until the dead of winter, and you can get there through, I I don't know if you've seen any of these new ice road shows, but it's real. They actually wait until everything freezes over in the water, and then they drive on that water. So there really are these ice roads. So that's that's just a glimpse of just how kind of isolated they are, uh, just how kind of detached they are in their communities from other uh, uh, other places. You know, we're just used to driving down the street and getting everything that we need or going across country. But they really are, uh, as indigenous communities, kind of out there in the reserves uh, in an in accessible location. And these are small communities, correct? All mostly yeah. small. Yes. Yeah. So there's some larger than others, but typically, um, you know, they're very, what we would consider rural, small villages. So I would imagine there's quite a bit of distance between many of them. Yeah. And, you know, our locations kind of span all the provinces pretty much, but um, there are some clusters and it was kind of neat to see one community come to the aid of another community when they had a tragic event happened recently, but I mean, mainly um, they are kind of up there to themselves. Yeah. What are some of the reasons that it's so critical that LAMP is able to reach these communities throughout the upper regions of Canada? Yeah. I mean, if you go back to kind of that original uh, ministry of Pastor Stalky, we've heard it said in scripture, how can they believe if they haven't heard? And he knew that them being that far out, that isolated, that remote, um, that there weren't going to be very many opportunities for people to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So, you know, when Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, you know, and when we see in the book of Revelation where it talks about everyone gathered from all tribes and languages and peoples, we know that we're called to this kind of a ministry. And Jesus himself, before he ascends into heaven, says that you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. And so we really get that sense, you know, of going to the end of the earth, like reaching into the most remote locations with the gospel. But that's why it's so important, because otherwise there really wouldn't be an opportunity for those to come and proclaim the good news. I I know you work with a lot of volunteers. Um, How do you how do you find your volunteers? Um, Do you see many of the same folks coming back year after year? 
how does how does that work and then how does that bleed into the work the the support that you give these communities yeah they're the they are absolutely the core of our ministry um we rely on our pastor pilots who are missionaries but even more so with our teams and they do build those connections so one of the greatest assets that we have as a ministry is over five decades of you know opening the doors to reach these communities and so we don't go anywhere where we're not invited by local leadership and that sort of thing and so the door is open but the people that go in are our volunteer teams and they establish these relationships and so we have a whole process where we put them through orientation to learn about doing cross-cultural ministry we ask them uh, if they're going to do this uh, we hope our congregations can have teams that will commit to more than one year but uh, we pray that you know at least five years of a commitment from our congregations because when they send these mission teams they establish these kind of relationships that uh, are long lasting i mean again for decades and it's been really fascinating to see some of those children from the 70s that are now leaders in those communities and remember oh those lutherans that came and did the vacation bible school and now they're our connection and so it's just been really exciting for me to to learn more about the ministry but to see in real life the effect that it's had for generations so you mentioned vbs mm -hmm. is that's one of your primary programs that you put on in the communities, correct? That's correct. So, I mean, we're talking about 5,000 children impacted in these communities uh, and, and also young adults and adults too, but primarily Vacation Bible School has been our main avenue for reaching into the communities. And that's where our invitation comes from is uh, having that offer to come and, and do a week-long Vacation Bible School um, we've had some other opportunities with some of the older kids to do some sports ministry afterward, and we want to continue to grow that uh, catechesis. But uh, yeah, VBS has really been the mainstay for our ministry. Do you have any stories coming out of the Vacation Bible Schools that that our listeners might enjoy? I would imagine that the, the children are excited when they see this happening. Yeah, yeah. That's the neatest thing that I hear about is the reaction of the kids, you know. So you can imagine growing up in a small village, kind of isolated, and then you see this team show up to town and they're treated like celebrities. I mean, they really are. Yeah, they show up in the van and they stay at the school or whatever it might be. But these kids come just running to the door to see these folks who came to visit them. And you know, not only are we preaching the good news, but I cannot tell you the impact that it has on the lives of these children to know that someone, you know, from Texas and the United States took the effort to come and to visit them and to tell them the good news of Jesus. And then again, not just, hey, we're here for the week and we're gone, but they build these relationships with these communities, these families, and again, that last for years. And so, it is really neat to think about, you know, the, the scriptures as it talks about the beautiful feet that bring the gospel. Because when these kids come running, um, that's it. That's there's like the beautiful feet are here. And then, uh, you know, the first thing they want to know is, you know, when are you coming back? <laughs> when, are you, when are you coming back? So they, they want us to continue to return and to bring them the good news and to love on them and just be a part of their lives. And again, 
as you can imagine, being in these dark, cold, very harsh terrain kind of communities, um, they absolutely love when the teams arrive. I'm sure they do. And I'm sure the volunteers take home some rather powerful stories and experiences from those weeks teaching. I have yet to have a volunteer tell me that they didn't get more out of a mission team trip than what they thought they gave. Absolutely. Every one of them tells me it's life changing, um, you know, to see the looks in the kids eyes and the the love that they can share. And it's just it's just a, a very monumental uh, kind of a ministry that has that kind of an impact. But I have yet to hear a volunteer uh, say that, you know, I really didn't get as much out of it as I thought I would. It's it's way beyond their expectations. Well, it's got a, it has to be a very exciting thing for you and your team to be able to hear those stories and to be a small part of making those experiences happen. Absolutely. And, you know, one of those kind of stories for me that really struck me was, uh, you know, again, working with young adults and you know how it is raising teenagers and, you know, (laughs) uh, but to have a teenager that was in a sports ministry and all the team just kind of goofing around, just they all signed a Frisbee and they gave it back to this young man. And, you know, he was kind of like your typical teenager. Um, but it was years and years and years later. And when the team came back one summer, he walked up to them with this Frisbee. He, he held on to that like it was his most prized possession, that these folks came and uh, shared the love of Christ with him and the good news of Jesus. And of all the things, you know, that he had, he wanted to run over there and show them. I still, I still have that Frisbee. And those are the kinds of stories that you know, just have kind of generational impacts that I just, I love to hear those messages. Well, and it's a good reminder that while our presence in a location might be fleeting, the impacts can be life-changing and more significant than we may ever know. Yeah. And we hope for that. We hope for that kind of leadership development too, where kids that were impacted by our ministry then in their own communities have that kind of impression on the next generation. And so we're excited about not only being able to be there and serve, but to be kind of part of the fabric of the community and and to build those kind of leaders uh, from those kids, even from a very young age. Um, and to see their progress has been fantastic, but definitely to, to really feel like we're part of the community and welcome the way we are is, has been awesome. How are some of the ways that LAMP is able to support the adults in these communities? Yeah, I mean, we're there when there are needs. Again, just imagine what it's like when it comes to firewood and food and winter gear. And it is such harsh, tough terrain. So we try to provide uh, for some of those needs, especially in emergency situations. Um, But we certainly uh, have women's programming that we do. And again, it's just those bonds. And it's so great. I mean, even even throughout COVID to see the ladies stay connected and to do ministry virtually, or, you know, we've tried men's groups and brought the guys together and done some, you know, cool manly stuff with each other. Or when they get to be young adults and you're like, I'm too old for vacation Bible school to have kind of sports ministries where you can continue to to uh, build relationships and connect with folks, but also at the same time, uh, continue to study in God's word. How has COVID affected, one, these communities, but two, LAMP's ability to serve the communities? 
It's definitely been a challenge. And, you know, it's it's been nice in the last couple months. We've been getting more and more queries about when, and this is from community leaders, when are you sending teams again? And a lot of them are kind of in a waiting pattern just because, you know, they're not sure of the variants. And, you know, we have one community that over 50% of the population right now is sick. And it's such a challenge for them because, you know, you've got people that depend on people. Again, firewood, supplies, food, you know, they have to hunt, they have to fish. And you have all your healthy people ill. Um, you know, that's a real challenge because then for the elderly people uh, that re- rely on somebody to help them with their firewood or help them with their, you know, gear, it, it makes it that much more challenging for them and such a harsh terrain. It's dark. It's cold. You know, you're talking about cold. Um, they're much farther north than we are. And it's darker there and it's colder there and they have to fish on the ice. Uh, you know, it's it is, you know, what you would expect in a very northern uh, remote community. So it's been a challenge and it's been a challenge for us, too. We've we've done a really good job of staying connected with community leaders and we've done a really good job of supplying, you know, whether it's PPEs or quilts or if you need hats and coats and all those things that people still need. Um, but then in terms of incarnational, being there with teams, um, definitely been scaled back. And we're expecting it to be better this year, but still to some degree being scaled back. It, it really does sound like the needs are significant right now in these communities that you're serving. How, what, what's happening that's, how are needs being met um, that you've seen in terms of physical needs or spiritual needs? Either, either, <laughs> either, or both. Let's yeah. Both. And I mean, cause that's our mission. Um, you know, we're not going to ignore that people have uh, major challenges when it comes to getting supplies and that sort of thing. And, and we certainly try to help and, you know, we've been creative. So over the summer, you know, we were sending uh, backpacks to the kids and it was really neat to see Um, here in Canada, they had recently the first ever national day of truth and reconciliation. And it was really neat to see pictures from those communities with the kids on that day with our supplies. And so, you know, we had school supplies in the backpacks for them, but we also had, you know, um, the gospel. And so it was really good to consider the fact that on a day of reconciliation, uh, that these kids were reading about the good news of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he has given to all of us. And so, you know, we've been creative, too, with giving out uh, some Christmas packages as well to communities uh, to supply for those kinds of needs. But, you know, as you're talking about it, we, we know what the greatest need is. Um, from the time that I've been here, I've heard some of the most tragic stories So as soon as winter hit and it was time for people to go out and hunt and fish, um, you know, we had one community where a couple of the men fell into the ice uh, and they died. You know, we have a population where over 50 percent of the people are suffering from COVID. Um, When I was thinking about this position, I really hadn't heard much about residential schools. And that gets back to that day of truth and reconciliation. But in the past, um, unfortunately, it was a lot of uh, Christian-based 
uh, schools, but children were literally taken from their families and they were sent to these schools and the conditions were absolutely deplorable. And so over the summer, they uncovered quite a few mass graves of these children who were abused and who died at the hands of those people who ran those schools. So you can only imagine the kind of wounds that were just reopened again and again over this past summer and how much of an effect that it had on people. Unfortunately, because of COVID, like everywhere else, but again, if you think about how harsh the circumstances are, um, teen suicide is really, really an issue here. Teens uh, take suicide packs. And so you see a huge number of suicides in these communities as well. One of the most tragic stories too, just in the last month is that there was a house fire and three of the six children died in this house fire, primarily because when the fire department came and they wanted to get the hoses and the water going, the water kept freezing up and there was nothing they could do to rescue these kids. So when you talk about the needs, I mean, I know there are a lot of physical needs that they have in the terrain that they live in, um, but the number one need they have is hope. And, you know, when I think about our mission, again, being one of the sole ministries that are there that have the door open to us to preach the gospel, and I think about the absolute greatest need that they have being hope. That's what our ministry is all about. It's providing for that which is most needful, and that is Jesus Christ. He, Jesus is the only way that they will know the truth, that we can be reconciled together as God's people, and that we can truly give them that peace that passes all understanding and give them a hope for the future that otherwise they wouldn't have, even in the darkest of situations. And when you have hope, even if it's dark, you have something to cling to. And so it's such a great gift that you and the volunteers of LAMP are bringing to these communities. What are some of the ways that our listeners can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we would love for your prayers. Uh, pray for the people who have been affected by COVID, uh, these tragedies that have taken place in the communities that we serve. Pray for our volunteers, you know, that um, they would come commit and be steadfast to stay connected to the communities that they're serving and that God would open the door again. Uh, it is kind of a wait and see in a lot of our communities for us to get the green light that we can send our teams again. But we really would appreciate your prayers that God is going to continue to open these doors and that we can get back into our communities and do the full ministry that we all want to see happen again. Uh, and just consider signing up for teams. Um, you know, we've we've had a little bit of a gap because of 2020. And, you know, the more teams that we can get collected, even if it takes a couple churches um, teaming up to form a team, uh, you know, we would love to have teams. And again, I promise you, it will have an impact that you can't imagine. And it will also, uh, for you yourself, you will get more out of this than you could ever imagine as well. So come visit us, <laughs> uh, sign up, you know. And um, always we can use support, you know, uh, if you can't come uh, and you would be willing to support one of our teams and, you know, our, our pilots and our planes and, you know, all, all those things um, require support. So we appreciate your, your support as well. Where can listeners go to learn more? Yeah. So if you go to lampministry.org, 
lampministry.org. Um, you can find out all about our mission. You can hear the testimonials of our teams, and you can see for yourself uh, the kinds of difference that we've made for these children in these communities. Well, thank you for joining us today to tell us about the work that LAMP is doing. Um, it's exciting to see, and it, it, it's really exciting to see the benefits of the relationships that you and, and LAMP have built over these last decades, because it takes time and it it definitely takes time. But when you have that relationship as a basis, the doors do open and the community, you are able to be welcomed into places where others may not. So um, just bl continued blessings to LAMP and all the work that's being done there. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to tell folks more. And, you know, just one one last thought, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Um, sure. As I started with thinking about Jesus's uh, commission to make disciples of all nations and peoples and tribes and languages. And, uh, you know, he says, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So I'm talking to you, listeners. <laughs> um, but the fascinating thing to me is as Jesus is ascending, he knows exactly what's going to happen to his disciples as he ascends into heaven. He understands the persecution and the suffering of his church. Um, you know, he tells them that they will continue to be his witnesses. And, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, Jesus still knew exactly what would be happening. There's no pause button on his mission. There's no pause button on his commission to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. The one thing that he does do is he says, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth and I will be with you. And that's all the promise we need for 2022 mm -hmm. is to know that he has still commanded us to make disciples, but that he himself will be with us to the end of the age. Well said. Listeners, go listen to that again. It's worth the listen. So, <laughs> Steve, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, till next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Concordia Publishing House podcast. I pray that this time was valuable to your walk with Christ. We'd love to connect with listeners on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Concordia Pub. Visit cph.org for more resources to grow deeper in the gospel.